Welcome to Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you got this podcast. I am Nate, the DJ of this hot 80s and 90s classic jam station. Or whatever we are. As a note, this episode is a few days late because yours truly had a computer crash and had to just redo the whole thing. Also interesting, this is by far our most political episode, where our heroes and the politics of the kingdom clash full force in a non-violent way. If you're here for monster fights and high fantasy hijinks, maybe skip this one. But if you are up for some old-fashioned smoke-filled rooms and boat hustling, this is the episode for you. Last time on Carrots and Suffering. Our characters teleport into Hanzo and Vanessa Lunari's townhome by mistake and encounter the couple lounging about. Sans clothes. Oh god, oh no, ah, ooh! Jalen kind of chuckles. <laughs> so for face palms. Sable covers her eyes. I'm look. I'm I'm sorry. We're popping in unannounced. Sorry to pop up like this. Hanzo Lunari, Silpha's fairy father, tells his backstory in an effort to convince Silpha to take his summer magic powers to defend herself from the fairy queen's magic. Four hundred years ago, I was the Lord of Summer Breeze, and all summer fairies are creatures of passion and joy in one type or another, and I felt that we were missing something. Something fundamental to our nature. Something that bridges the distance between humanity and the Fae. Anyone want to guess what that is? Love. It's love, Papa. The party rushed to the Mentor estate at the sound of whistles, and found Fetch Byron attacking the place. So Byron turns around and says, I will have my bride, and shifts into an animal. Silpha, go ahead and roll me a d8 if you'd be so kind to see what this person turns into. It is a five. A five? Oh, shit. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Great. (laughs) No dragons. No dragons, Nate. (laughs) So he turns into some sort of beast. It is a creature you have never seen before. It is some sort of lizard-bird hybrid, and it is truly massive. 18 feet tall, with massive tail, a huge muscular body, a massive reptilian jaw, feathers sort of rolling down its back. It doesn't seem to have wings, but it does have two tiny little Mm, arms. A scientifically accurate (laughs) T-Rex. Using the power of Hanzo's sun magic and neutrality pact, along with Vanessa's summer sun enchanted hairpins, Lady Miev's fire and ice magic, Jalen's crossbow, Sable's storm magic, and Silpha's distracting love of Byron, the party managed to stop Fetch Byron despite him turning into numerous dinosaurs. Byron, in bizarre Fetch fashion, dissolves instantaneously. You are now instantly not hugging anything, Silpha. Like a a pile of leaves, simply autumn leaves, appears and just blows away, wrapping around your legs and then drifts into the city. And the sun goes out. And the clouds fade away. Okay, let's get back into it. Hi, I'm Nate, and I will be your dungeon master. I'm Sandra. I play Sable the Druid. I'm Mandy. I play Jalen the Rogue. I'm Julie. I play Silpha the Wizard. I think Jalen's going to start going among all the bodies on the ground and figure out who's alive and who's dead and help the ones who are alive. Roll me medicine. Not one of her skills. Eleven. You find someone who is alive and you can help them. They are mostly good. You aren't good enough at this to move fast enough to save all these people. I'll take medicine rolls from anyone who wants to help the injured. I am going to cure wounds on everyone I can. Go ahead and take advantage on your medicine roll and mark off one spell slot, Sable. Okay. Ooh, I got a 19 for medicine. So, Silpha, you can quickly triage. Like, you look around, he'll live, he'll live, he'll live, he might not, and you jump down and you save two people who would have died. So I got a 17. Similarly, you are able to save two people who would have died. Okay, so that's two spells that I used. You know that Mentor has 12 champions. You are fairly certain that eight of them were sort of lying here. 
and you have now saved all of them. Yay. Mm. So n- nobody died tonight. I will stand up after healing the last person, wipe any blood that I have off on the sleeves of my shirt, kind of look around at my companions and say, well, I think Minter's going to have to listen to us now. Witnesses. So many witnesses. <laughs> in basically every window, a candle has been lit. There's a face in every window looking out into the courtyard. Yeah, whichever face I can find and that will make eye contact with me, mm-hmm. I'll say loudly to that person, let us inside. They will duck away, and a few seconds later you can hear... It sounds like some of the guards had basically piled things in front of the big entryway doors. Makes sense. When you get up to the doors, you do see big claw marks in them, and eventually they will swing the doors open. So the entryway is just a giant mess. But there are two more guards and four more champions there looking relieved, panicked. But one servant, who Sable you recognize because you just yelled at them, says, uh, right this way, uh, Lord Mentor is expecting you. Are, is everybody, like all of my friends and everyone following yeah, me? Yeah, I think we're, we're all with you. Yep. You go to the essentially private quarters wing of the Mentor family, which tells you that they were definitely asleep when this started. And you arrive at a study. And this this is the same study that Sable and Silver were called into the night the ghost told on you, well, told on the Masons. So it is it is like an actual little family study. Like, it's full of children's toys from when the kids were young. It's clearly not a public place. And as you walk in, Lord and Lady Mentor are here, and Malik and Harriet are here, which are their two children. So just so everybody remembers, it's Malik Jr. and Malik Sr. Mm-hmm. And Harriet Jr. and Harriet Sr. Okay. Did Vanessa and Hanzo come with us? Yes. And Miev? And Miev. As you all pile in, this this is a, now a very cramped room. And Mentor s- stands up in the middle of the room and says, I thank you all for your assistance to the kingdom yet again. It's good to see you, Vanessa. And he steps up and gives your mom a polite kiss on the back of her hand. And Vanessa says, yes, well, seems we had an emergency on our hands. And luckily, my trepid daughter and her friends were here to point us in the right direction. And he says, well, we need to have a talk. And he scans the room and says, and I think these are exactly the people we need for it. Hanzo, see to security. And Hanzo nods and says, I'll organize everyone, and turns and steps out of the room. Hanzo never really barks orders. He's not a He's not a barker. So he starts politely asking people to do things, and they start doing it, because they're definitely going to listen to the man with armor over his armor. Yeah. <laughs> Wielding daylight. Yeah. Surviving being swallowed by a T-Rex. Uh, something is unusual with this man now. Yeah. <laughs> they know. Sable is kind of lost decorum at this point, so she is just going to find a seat and flop down into it. Hey, Jalen bows to the Regent family and says Regents, and then she is going to stand near Sable and let someone else do the talking. Sable says, if you don't mind, Lord Mentor, it's probably safer that I stay here tonight. Yes, you're all welcome to stay, and Sable, thank you. I have always seen great potential in you, and this is yet another Mm -hmm. demonstration. I just interrupt him with, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. Silpha curtsies and says, we were en route to inform you of another attack. He gives you a sad look and says, who was it? It was the Frankers, but we were able to circumvent anything from happening to anyone. Good. Aside from some horses. Still... A loss, but certainly better than the alternative. And he looks over at Miev and says, And what are you doing here? And she says, I provided transportation to your allies. And she hand gestures to the three of you. And he says, Well, then I guess thank you is in order. Mm-hmm, I say, from where I'm sitting. The two of them are definitely staring daggers at each other. There's no love here. Yeah, I don't let that go on very long. I say, Lord Mentor... If I may be so bold, your unwillingness to face the reality of the Fae and magic has created a problem that will lead to war very soon. That is bold. I shrug. Given where we're at tonight, though, (laughs) I think I will excuse it. All right, everyone. Welcome to the war room. Close the door. Jalen closes the door. Lord Mentor starts the conversation by saying, Jalen. Yes, sir. Sable. Mm. Silpha. Malik. 
and Harriet. You are all the next generation of this kingdom. And I am starting to see that it is going to be just as fraught as the last one. So I'm going to let you take charge of this conversation and our strategy. The adults are here to advise you. Lord Regent. Yes. I would like some assurance of some immunity in this conversation for all of us. I guarantee all of you immunity regarding anything that has led us to this point. Is that blanket enough for you? Yes, sir. Lord Mentor, what do you want us to do? Plan a war? No. I would like you to avoid one. But if you would advise a war, I am willing to listen. Well, and I'm going to look at Jalen and Zilpha and say, I believe we had our own plans. Didn't we? We do. And correcting your mistakes wasn't really one of them. With due respect, sir. Well, you're going to have to first explain my mistakes. Uh, where to begin? Lord Mentor, you have been suppressing the knowledge of the Fae for so long that no one has any defenses against what is happening right now. That's one problem. Another problem is that, while I understand you feel the need to hold a status quo in our static and unfortunate situation in the middle of a thorn's curse, the status quo is unsustainable. It's not going to last. Hmm. Not to mention the fact that your desire to put me into power and then manipulate me so that you can control even more has led to a much more difficult situation for this land. Hmm. Silpha, do you have anything you'd like to get off your chest before we get to business? Silpha draws in a deep breath and says, The widespread ignorance towards magic and the practice of magic in this kingdom and your reticence to accept it has led to people becoming vulnerable. Thank you, Silpha. Lord Mentor, if I may, you deemed this a war room. Mm -hmm. My recommendation, bring people in here who want to talk and are capable of talking about such things as war, and leave us to do what we do, which is not that. I disagree. As far as I can tell, you are one of the only people capable of anything like war. You rode to the aid of House Mason and destroyed an entire battalion of fairy soldiers. You belong in the war room. This is the kind of war we fight. I try very hard to keep it from looking like that kind of war. And you are all three correct. I have failed. And in about ten years, the task of keeping this kingdom from tearing itself apart will be yours. So, I'm afraid I will not let you step aside in your responsibilities today. I think you are up to the task. Malik, do you want to start us off? You've only seen Malik Jr. play the perfect prince. You realize he adopts this posture almost immediately that looks a lot like his father's. Gets this very solemn, contemplative face. What do we know? Harriet? And Harriet says, to the best of our knowledge, Byron Mason has been replaced by some kind of fairy entity, and it was dispatched when it attempted to attack. Sylvan nods. That entity is called a fetch, and there are more. Unfortunately, the best information we have is that Byron Mason is also still at House Lunari. You are correct. The real Byron Mason is still present at my family estate. Harriet says issue one will then be securing his safety. And Malik says, okay, is this the Fairy Queen directly assaulting her own subjects? Again? No, this is very different. This is someone manipulating agents of the Fairy Queen to their benefit. We faced another fetch at the Frikers this evening. Jayla looks at Silpha and says, I guess you could show them the bugs. Silpha produces the jar of bugs. But what we know about this is that fetches, as they are, could not do the things that we are seeing these fetches do. Malik says, so you think someone is manipulating fairy magic and using it as a weapon? I do, and I also think that they will continue to systematically do so. We can't have that. And this person is using fear to unseat your house and take the power for themselves. As you likely saw at court last time. And Sylvan nods in agreement. Malik looks at Harriet, and Harriet says, I can't prove that it's Yennefer, but it seems awfully convenient. 
And Malik says, can anyone prove that's Yennefer? I'm not sure anyone could prove that at this point. I'm not sure what could be done in response if we did. Well, I think the question you have to beg, is anyone else powerful enough to do what this person is doing? We know that Yennefer probably is. I think we need to discover the motivations for Yennefer's course of action. Were they not obvious? Power and the amassing of it. In amassing power, what does she mean to achieve with it? Once she takes over, what does she mean to do? Precisely. Malik says, well, when word gets out that nobility is potentially, actually fetches, we're going to have a mass panic on our hands. Probably some house purges. There will be a lot of dead people. Then that word should not get out. Might be unavoidable if people saw Byron outside, and then we bring another Byron in. So we hide the other Byron. Okay, that buys us a little bit of time. The only thing I can think of, though, is to call a Lord's Council. Everyone has withdrawn their champions from the seat of the city. There's really no protection here anymore. My lord, I don't think you want to do that with all the other houses currently aligned as they are. There have been a lot of promises made to other houses in return to allying against yours. Harriet leans forward and says, I believe Miev has a loyalty oath. And Miev just nods and looks pale. And I believe that House Mason is hoping to better their lot and get some of the marriage contracts they were pushing for through the system. And House Evans has been in talks. I'm not sure where they ended up. Jalen does not volunteer that information. And Malik says, so your information tells us that it's, what, three houses to four in our favor? Well, we don't know where the Frikers are going to fall after tonight. So it could go anyway. I think you need to get to the Frikers before Yennefer does. I don't think I can offer them anything. Better think of something. One way or another, calling a Lord's Council is potentially dangerous. I have one other thought. Let me talk to her. See if we can buy some time. Malik nods and says, you know, buying some time doesn't sound too bad right this second. And Harriet leans forward and says, I don't actually know that we want to continue Father's policy of buying time. If you give us a chance, we might be able to change everything for the better. It's true. That is as much as I am willing to tell you about what I want to do. All right. Get Byron into custody immediately. I can hide him. I think we need to hide him with his children. What if I told you there was a means of identifying whether a person is a fetch? That would be helpful for us, but one of the things you have to remember, politically speaking, anyone who feels that Byron is in the way now has an impetus to get rid of him, consequence-free. I mean, the truth matters, but in this case, I don't know that it matters fast enough. Forgive me if I'm saying something a bit naive, but isn't the Lunari estate about the safest place he could be? I mean, unless she's a real idiot, Yennefer's not going to make a move on him there. Harriet says, you know, what might level out the voting. What if we had one more house? Huh. <laughs> Maybe one that was on our side. Jalen looks at Silpha and Vanessa says, would that be where they would fall? Vanessa says, I haven't heard anything compelling from Yennefer. Since we're not nobles, we're below her notice. And the house would be extraordinarily grateful to the mentors for this elevation in our status. The only downside is it would permanently take money and land from Miev. And you can see Miev not really react, but Lord Mentor gets this like wicked looking grin on his face from standing over in the corner. Jalen mutters, fuck's sake. Like, really, are you going to act like 12-year-olds over this? Miev says, no, I'd give it up. And Malik leans in and says, okay, I believe we have a new house. The bottom tier is... Barony. So, who would be the Baroness? Melisse or Vanessa? This is out of character. I think Vanessa would be the most natural person to be the Baroness because Melisse is more involved in business and removed from politics. And I think, although she is the eldest descendant of the Lunari estate, the way things generally have worked in House Lunari is people get the jobs they're good at. I think the younger generation sort of looks at each other, and the older generation all immediately looks at Vanessa. There's no question in their mind. Sable's eyes have gone just distant again. We can elevate House Lunari. It will make anyone's hiding on their property much easier to 
protect, and it will give us one more vote in the Lord's Council. We can draft the proclamation up as soon as this meeting is over. That brings us to the issue of Yennefer. I don't see a way to avoid a public panic without calling a Lord's Council. Everyone has pulled their champions to their own property. The center of the city is completely indefensible. At least half of our champions are wounded now. What are we going to do about Yennefer? As I said before, I think we need to understand her better. If there's something she could be offered which would satisfy her desires, we might be able to turn the situation to our favor. All right. So we enter into negotiation with Yennefer. And Harriet leans forward and says, also something Father would do. And Malik says, just because Father would do it doesn't mean it's bad. And Harriet says, yes, well, I think the room disagrees. I feel like this concerns Sable's family and her house. And she has thoughts on this that she has spoken. Malik says, well, she'd like us to give her the authority to do something. No, I don't need your authority to talk to Yennefer. I just need time. I suggest you give Sable the time she needs to go talk to Yennefer. In the meantime, I would suggest that you work on House Frikers and think of a way to keep them loyal to you. Because even with House Lunari bending things in your favor, it wouldn't hurt to have one other house in your favor. Do we have anything that will pull the Masons back to our side? There's a marriage contract you got in the way of. I can't possibly predict what kind of political situation Byron's going to be in. This is a mess for him. I don't know if that allowing him to go forward and marry Silpha or allowing Meg to marry Leslie would have any effect at this juncture. The Masons desire to reclaim some of the status that they have lost, and they desire access to magic. If you allow the wrong kind of influences in their practice of magic, potentially a future problem will arise. I agree. If in denying them the known quantities of Silpha, she looked nods at Silpha and Leslie, they're going to look for it elsewhere. And I highly doubt anybody's going to like where elsewhere is. Silpha nods firmly in agreement. They also lost a lot of their status when they lost access to their quarry, and there's a certain head family in this kingdom that is preventing any kind of expeditions out into the thorns. So maybe you could offer a little olive branch, and maybe we could try to get them to their quarry again. Sofa chimes in with, there already is a means for accomplishing that, it's true. And Harriet says, is that your stone champion? Sofa nods. If House Lunari will offer its stone champion services to House Mason, we can make this deal work. Stone champion cuts the path to the quarry. House Mason reclaims it with thorns cutters. They can get back into the business of stonework. And it will give House Lunari a much stronger footing. But I'm not sure that stone is enough. This is Harriet talking. And so Harriet says, as much as I hate to ask, what do you think, Leslie? So there are two guards next to the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of them is a large burly man, and one of them is a somewhat ill-proportioned woman. Her armor is weirdly big on her. <laughs> and the person coughs and says, I see you spotted me. <clears throat> I can deliver you the masons. And Harriet says, great, what will it cost us? And Leslie says, I want the spymaster position. And Harriet says, I already have the spymaster position. And Leslie says, well, I can help you if you're willing to give it up. And Malik chimes in and says, all right, well, how would you deliver the Masons? Well, if they want magic, I happen to have some information that will bring their arch sage into the thorns to reclaim the house. <sighs> Whoa. And so far, arch is an eyebrow. So they would have an archmage. And Lord Mentor actually stands up in frustration and says, that's more magic. And Malik says, I thought we were handling this, father. As I have voiced before, your opposition to magic has only created problems. Lord Mentor, magic is a reality whether you're willing to deal with it or not. And in a related manner, not using and assessing and regulating the known quantities makes people look for it elsewhere. Not to mention the fact that you gave the most magical person in the kingdom the keys to my house. 
he reaches up to the bridge of his nose and sort of pinches it and says, she had legal claim. And you couldn't find a loophole? Anything? I mean, you're you. The timing was bad with the grove. What does it matter? It's done now. And Harriet leans forward and says, well, there's another issue I want to bring up while we're here. <sighs> Sable is just looking so tired of this. <laughs> Sable's like, hey man, this is court. <laughs> Jalen is content to be in the room for this discussion. Harriet says, there's really only a few people smart enough to hold this kingdom together when it all continues to progress. I think this puts us on a good path. Silpha becomes heir to a barony. There's an arch mage at the top of House Mason. We need to make sure that the top of House Mentor is equally intelligent. I propose that we make it official. Leslie marries into House Mentor and takes the title of Marquis. I don't think Silpha can help but react to this. <laughs> what does she do? I'm imagining her having settled into this discussion in a scribe position with quill and paper to document things, and her pen just goes <laughs> There's a quill drop. I think you can see Leslie doing complex math in her head. I would like to do an insight roll on Leslie. Sure. <laughs> Never mind. This is not a situation you've seen Leslie in before. I went ahead and took the liberty of an advantage because she's a sibling, and I rolled a one and a four. <laughs> <laughs> and she's wearing a helmet. A guard helmet. And she's wearing a helmet. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. probably the problem. You can kind of see everyone around the room doing the math, and it seems that they are all making a decision on this, and you can see all of their faces go from deeply contemplative to determined in a row. Does anyone wish to say anything before this silence is broken? Yes, I do. Okay. I'll say, great, so if we're on the subject of marriage contracts, can I be excused? Lord Mentor says, absolutely not. I thought we were talking about this. She looks to Harriet and Malik. And Harriet says, yeah, I don't think we want to excuse you yet. If Yennefer goes down in flames, you're replacing her. And Malik says, well, do you want the job of Baroness? Oh, God, no. Who would be the next best replacement in the house? I am not sure, Lorelai. I mean, I'm not saying that out loud. But I'd find someone. And Harriet says, well, what do you think, Leslie? And Leslie says, I don't want the position. And Harriet says, yeah. And Leslie says, and I don't like you. And Harriet says, doesn't seem relevant. And Leslie says, and if I don't take over my house, someone like Jessica might. And Harriet says, no, I think it would be Jalen. Jessica's crazy. And the whole room nods. Mm. <laughs> including sable <laughs> i think jalen says first of all i have no rank secondly if i marry into house poor nino i am not going to be in a position to be taking over house evans harriet says what's the law on this mother and harriet the elder lady mentor leans in and says technically an adoption is fully binding it's considered uh, faux pas but that doesn't stop them from skipping jessica for obvious reasons and putting someone more competent in charge. Jalen looks at Leslie. You can't quite read what's on their face, but you're pretty sure they've made a decision. You're not really sure which direction they're going to go with it. All right. Jalen is going to pull Leslie aside and say, how much does it matter that you like her? They have a point. The reality is they need someone powerful or they're not going to be the head household any longer. Jalen is going to slip a hand behind Leslie's back where she can press these can't gestures into it and say, think about what else we know about head families. Secrets, changes of plan, you know, like something like that to get the, the point across. Leslie will turn and say, let's table that marriage conversation. I just want, I just want the spy master title. And Harriet says, well, I'm not offering it. I am, however, offering you to be my wife. <laughs> and Leslie says, I'll get back to you in two weeks. In the meantime, I'll just tell House Mason that maybe they should hold off on siding with Yennefer, and maybe they will or maybe they won't. Great. Malik looks pretty disappointed. Malik looks disappointed in what? You can roll me insight. I think he wants something significant to be his first staple move. 16. Agreeing to a stalemate is not what he was after. You don't think he wanted a war, per se, 
but he thinks that you have all the tools to outvote Yennefer in this room and are not using them. Wow, we're holding them hostage. I think Silpha will use this opportunity to draw attention to his disappointment and says, you clearly had a different plan in mind. I didn't have a different plan in mind, but it bothers me that we could easily outvote Yennefer. And frankly, with just a little bit of evidence, we could probably use the Lord's Council to kick her off her barony. Mm -hmm. I guess the question is, if you try to pull that move, is she powerful enough for that not to matter? The whole room gets real (laughs) ashen-faced. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry. Did I just point out the elephant in the room? I'm sorry. Malik leans back and says, we could call the hound. And Harriet says, I don't, I don't want to call the hound. The man is a psychopath. Oh my god. I say. <laughs> Jalen goes many different colors. And Malik says, father, do you think he can do it? Don't call the hound. <laughs> Just stop with assassinations. For fuck's sake. The room just stares at you. Roll me persuasion. Well, that's a 19. That's respectable. The room all looks at you. Your words have a galvanizing statement, and all of the young people, for all of their idealism, seem to settle on, you know what? We're not doing that. I think Jalen is going to go, what authority do you have to call on the hound? Lord Mentor says, well, I have a hound just as the fairy queen has a hound. I use them the same way. And Malik says, yeah, it doesn't matter. We're not using him. If we all end up dead, we can blame Sable. But in the meantime, I think we've made our decisions. Oh, great. We're stalling and we're negotiating. I say give it a day. Give it this next day. Let Sable talk to Yennefer. You talk to the Frikers. Let Leslie talk to the Masons. Call your Lord's Council the day after. And in the meantime, I don't have any security to send to Byron. Can anyone call in a favor with the Porninos? Yeah, I can. I can see to Byron's safety to the extent that I'm capable. All right. Meeting adjourned. We meeting tomorrow night. <laughs> Sable's like halfway in, out of her seat. <laughs> then Jalen speaks and she's like, uh. Everyone owes me a report at the end of tomorrow. Yes, sir. That was that was Malik Jr. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Malik Sr., you apparently all made him think and also realize that the next generation is not going to look fondly on him. <laughs> nope. But how much does that matter? To you, not much. <laughs> to him, maybe a little. Yeah, so as soon as we're released, I would go out. I would leave, get shown to whatever room, and I'm going to ask for tea and bread and honey. Okay. You can definitely get tea, bread, and honey. Do I get, hear the flitter of wings anywhere? I think by the time the whole conversation's over and you get to your room and tea, bread, and honey has shown up, the pixies will have found you. They didn't know where to look, but eventually they're going to show up wherever there's a drama. I'm going to dip my finger in the honey and I'm going to hold it up and say, somebody want to get me whistles? You hear a yes, ma'am. And then several tiny fingers of honey just pull little licks of honey off your finger and you hear slurping. Mm -hmm. And then about 20 minutes later, whistles appears at your window. Enough time for me to have some bread and tea. And whistles says, what can I do for you? I want you to tell me again about this deal. It's an ad. Oh, boy. I am told that there is information that you possess about the Masons, and I want it from you now. She feels in this moment like her life is forfeit no matter what. Like, if I don't tell, Lord Minter is pissed at me. If I do tell, House Mason will be on me. Suddenly, Sable pulls out a Bozorth ginger limeade. Available at your local Portland market of choice and farmer's markets in the area. The situation turns festive and the day is saved. Go forth in Bozorth at bozbev.com. It's time for the mid-roll and that means fairy facts. Today is brought to you by the Halam Igenidor, or the Water Leaper. The Water Leaper is said to be a fairy monster, evil to the core and bestial and goblin-like in nature. It's described as a toad with bat wings for front legs and no back legs to speak of, and a lizard tail with a powerful venom stinger on the end. This creature flies across the top of the water to attack things while emitting a scream that stuns its prey in and around ponds. They're famous for cutting fishing lines and eating the fishermen who come to investigate. They're also known to disappear sheep who stray too close to the water. 
Now, as I was describing it, perhaps you thought of the common stingray, a flat, fish-like creature with wing-like fins, big eyes on its bulb head, and a tail with a big angry barb on the back of it. If you did, you're not alone, because basically, if you look at one cross-eyed, they're kind of the same exact thing. So, assuming one inspired the other, the water leaper is probably 18 inches in diameter, similar to the common stingray found in the ocean waters around where this lore is from. Dealing with an ocean ray can be a bit tricky. They're gentle creatures, but if you step on one, it can go poorly, so they do recommend you shuffle your feet around them, that way you don't scare them and they can get away from you. Dealing with a water leaper is as simple as not fishing alone. So, there you have it. Do the stingray shuffle, and don't fish alone. Okay, let's get back into it. I was going to try to do something before everybody parted ways. Okay. She's going to appeal to Lady Mentor Senior and say, I know it's three in the morning, but could I please have a bath? Yes, of course. Let me find a servant for you. Okay, and then while she's distracted getting a servant, she's going to make very fast eye contact with Harriet Jr., which she's hoping only Harriet sees. Harriet will stand up and walk over to you and say, let me show you to the bath. Thank you. And loop her arm into the crux of your elbow. And then she'll look around and say, Silpha, I'll be by to speak to you momentarily. Congratulations on your promotion. Silpha will curtsy to her. Thank you, Lady Harriet. And with your elbows crooked, she walks you down the hallway to a bath. I know you want to go to bed, Lady Harriet the Younger, but I wondered if I could ask you something that's a little more sensitive and suited to a bathroom rather than a war room. Absolutely. Please come in. She opens up a washroom area, and there is a bath in here, and you see that a couple servants are headed this way, because apparently Lady Mentor Senior found them, and she will wave at them, and they'll just stop in the hallway. Is this one of those frilly bathrooms that has, like, benches and whatever? Oh, hells yes. No, this is the fanciest bathroom in the whole castle. She's also taking advantage of the fact that we're staying in the nicest place in the kingdom tonight. So she's like, oh, five-star hotel, okay. So she sits down and she says, you seemed a bit uncertain about where House Evans was, and I can fill you in on that. And if you're willing to work together, I might be able to deliver them solidly to your side. I don't know how many more decisions my father is going to give me the authority to pursue at this time. Do you know what they met about, Lord Evans and your father? Yes, I do. Were you there? No. Harriet, I don't want Lord Evans to vote on the wrong side of this thing. And at the moment, he is pulling for Yennefer because she was much more amenable to what he proposed. If you meet with him tomorrow and you listen to him with a more open mind... I think I can convince him to vote for you. All right. I'm not opposed to the idea you put forward. My father, however, is absolutely convinced that the Porninos will see it as a degradation in the morality of the kingdom. Well, it's only going to be overtly degraded rather than covertly degraded, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. Hmm. Harriet, the fact is, one day the thorns are going to come down. And we can either be unified as a kingdom when we start to interact with other kingdoms, or we can be unified when we get down on our knees when we get conquered. So I think what I'm asking is fairly simple. If you give us a legal guild, when the thorns come down, we'll be able to give back to you a specially trained force of thieves, spies, and assassins for interacting with these other kingdoms. I've heard that you were working on something in thorns, and I am intrigued. But I should warn you, father is convinced you're going to get yourself killed. Oh, I'm sure. We might. And she smiles. (laughs) All right. I'm going to encourage this and hope that you survive so that we can make it a true thing in the future. But I can't promise you much because father will have to step out of the way for me to be maximally effective. And while he seems willing to do it on individual decisions, I suspect I'll have to be married before he actually does it. Harriet, 
I understand your proposal to Leslie because you want to keep your enemies closer and you want to keep an eye on her. But I wonder, in all of this, people vying for these contracts with you and your brother, who do you want to marry? Oh, Jalen. Malik is the kind of romantic individual who might have an opinion on these things. I am under no delusion that my opinion matters, and so I haven't really formed one. To be honest, Faust has a tight butt. <laughs> he does have that. Also a reputation. Oh yes, no, he would be a terrible decision, <laughs> which is why it's not going to happen. The choices at this juncture are somewhat limited. Mm-hmm. I think that a poor Nino, well, honorable and good for the reputation, isn't really going to increase the power of the mentors, nor even build stability all that well. Mm-hmm. At this juncture, the Drurys are well ingrained in the Mentor family also, so the only thing that improves our stability would be a relationship with the Evans, or the Varathys, or perhaps the Frikers. But their children are all too young. Or somebody outside the kingdom. I'm not going to bet on your plan that aggressively yet. I understand. You are going to attempt something with a 100% failure rate, three times over again. Maybe it's a one in a million chance, Harriet, but I wouldn't say it's a 100% failure. Well, I wish you luck, and can maybe provide some coverage for you with Father. I think that you have a big task in front of you, and I'm going to do my best to ensure that when you come back, you can implement whatever solutions you find. Thank you. Is that all? Because... I may have made a pass at Silpha's girlfriend in public, so I need to go correct that. I'm sure she'll be very receptive. I hope she understands that I don't actually like Leslie. I don't think anybody's under any delusion that you do. But Harriet, I mean what I said about us coming together as a kingdom. I'm not being frou-frou, hippy-dippy shit with that. It's important, and you and Leslie may hate each other's guts, but you have compatible skill sets and working together is going to get you a lot further than not working together. And I don't think marrying her is going to be what gets you that. I see. Well, I'm in total agreement, but contracts do move this world. But I'll take this under advisement. Thank you. Enjoy your bath. I'll send the servants in. Thank you. And she's going to tip those servants really well. So you, you've had really no look at Harriet or Malik, but you get the impression that these servants... They work for the Mentor family, but they absolutely work for Harriet. Right. She has a base of power that you have not seen before, and it is evident that it is subtle, but it is strong. Spy network. All right, we're going to switch topics over to Harriet, who, after her 10-minute conversation in the bathroom, will knock on Silpha's guest room door. Silver will respond by opening the door and say, yes, Lady Harriet, come in. She'll step in and say, I'll keep this brief because it's very late. I just want to let you know that there's nothing personal in my pursuit of Leslie. You couldn't have said that worse, Harriet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, I am perfectly aware and educated in the politics regarding royal marriages. Well, then, you understand that I meant no offense to you. And I really do want to welcome you to the noble cast. It's been a long time coming, and you and your mother have proven yourselves to be uh, top-quality individuals. Oh, of course, Lady Harriet, and I do forgive you for all those times you have referred to me as Larva Lunari, that pasty bookworm. (laughs) Yes, well, (laughs) you grew up quite nicely. Apologies for my childish behavior. And I apologize for nicknaming one of our family cows after you. (laughs) Yes, well... Lady Harriet, why don't we have a a conversation in the morning, if you are amenable to it? Absolutely. The lords and ladies will arrive probably around ten, so you've got about two hours. Maybe breakfast, you and me. A private breakfast. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Excellent. Any one of the servants will show you to my courtyard. And she turns around and, without ceremony, leaves your room. Tell me again about this deal of yours. 
the one where in you become an agent of the fairy queen mm. and receive a blessings of her power. We'll talk about that part, but I do want to hear. Well, yes. So as an agent of the fairy queen, you will receive an inflection of magic and the obligation that you receive is that you are a full-fledged agent and ally of the fairy queen as a result her machinations will spare you and you are expected to act in her best interests and she will occasionally make requests mm -hmm. large requests however are still allowed to be negotiated consider the automatic ones though minor boons Uses of your time that do not exceed an eight-hour workday, if you will, are considered to be free of charge. Similarly, all information that I obtain is yours, and our formal agreement will essentially make me your familiar servant, if you will. Interesting. Would I be able to get rid of those trumpets? Oh, yes, actually. <laughs> As your servant, you could simply command them away, although your grandmother found them to be amusing. I'm sure she did. I have other thoughts. Well, I love a counterproposal. Well, so here's our problem. First, I, as much as I appreciate and, as a matter of fact, uh, am honored by the concept that the queen would be interested in having me as an agent and grant me power, I can find power on my own. That's not what I'm seeking. Here is the difficulty. Our kingdom is close to war, and it's partially my fault for creating a situation that allowed Yennefer out. So I'm trying to find a way to rectify that. Do you know, Whistles, is it true that Yennefer gave up her heart to study under the Fairy Queen? Well, to be honest, I'm not old enough to have been around when that decision was made, but that is the rumor, and there is someone locally who would know the answer to that question. Hmm. Well, two someones. Who? You know... Sable, I like you, and <laughs> I'm going to offer you information for free, which I hope you understand is an incredible rarity. I do. Amongst my kind. Let's just say that you will give me some honey later. I have honey right now. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I'll take some right now, then. <laughs> I give him honey. <laughs> he downs it alarmingly fast, and then is flush and drunk, but similarly talkative. Yes. So... Here's the deal. The trees log agreements, yes? Mm -hmm. Only the ones that are brought to them, but they might have this information. Of course, they won't tell you. You can only talk about them in generalities. They won't give you the exact terms, confidentiality and all, but there is a creature that would have all of the terms. He is known as the Heartrender, and the Heartrender specializes in deals of the human heart. And very likely was the contracted agent that removed Yennefer's. Okay. Where might I find this heart render? Well, I've heard rumor that is very reliable that the heart render lives in the monastery north of town, about a 20-minute walk into the Thorns, mm -hmm. if you leave House Mintor to the north. Interesting. Oh, right. So, perchance... If I were to want to find a way to restore Yennefer's heart, or to get it for myself, I would need to talk to this heart render, and not to the Fairy Queen? Well, the Fairy Queen would be amenable to an agreement that related to this, although the price would be quite high. The heart render, well, the heart render might just have it. Mm -hmm. All right, well, entertain me. Tell me what this high price might indicate. Mm. You want Yennefer's heart? Do you know what Yennefer wants? I would assume right now she wants power. Hmm. Half true. Uh, I am not in the mood for guessing games. Well, that is not information I can give for free. I understand that. Let me offer you this bit of advice. Yennefer is, at the moment, extremely dangerous. And the Fairy Queen knows about that danger and treats her as if she is a poisonous snake. So, anything that would benefit Yennefer would probably come with a significant price. For example, you would have to join the agreement that I was offering earlier, or perhaps swear some form of loyalty to the Fairy Queen and protection of her allies. 
if you were wished to serve a tenure as an indentured servant in the Feywild, that could also be an option. What about this? If I joined the Fey upon my age and became part of the Wild Court? Alternate proposal. Waiting until you're 21 is a formality. Oh. You don't have to wait, but you will have to declare it formally, and I think you would need an audience in one of the great courts for that. Mm. How about when you first arrive at a court, you will declare yourself Fey? For that, I could get you Yennefer's heart back. You are certain you don't have to ask. I can assure you that there are few things more important to the Fairy Queen than the choice of you and your two friends. Thank you. You have given me a great deal to think on. Ask him why. Ask him why. Hold on. <laughs> I will ponder this as I rest tonight. You have intrigued me. I want you to succeed. Hmm. There are other possible successors to your grandmother that I would find well, quite intolerable to work for. Mm. I am not a fae, and therefore not bound to make deals for gifts. And I scoop up a little bit more honey and hand it over to him. Oh, your generosity is delightful and also worrisome. <laughs> I have heard that more than once. He drinks it down quickly and says, I knew there was a reason I liked you. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to get back to bed. Good night. And he bobs wildly off oh, into the night. One other thing. He turns around. Yes? Why is it so interesting to the fairy queen, whether we choose to be human or fae? That I do not know. <laughs> that information predates me by nearly a millennia. Oh. But the fairy queen has been interested for hundreds of years. It's the most important interest, I think. Okay. Huh. Perhaps trees can help me. Maybe. I think it predates them as well. Mm, well. And he flutters drunkenly into the night. Fly safe. So yeah, morning will arrive and you will all be level eight. Da, 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 da. I love the smell of level eight in the morning. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like Folgers in your cup. So there are, are some more complex decisions that our spellcasters have to make. But I want to do a quick level 8 review. I think the most interesting thing is where you put your attribute points for Julie and Sandra, since you have hit level 8 and can get smarter or faster or stronger. And then, Mandy, I think you went fighter, so you actually got some, some cool new abilities, right? Well, one. I think there's only one. Well, that's fair. Yeah. I think it's the coolest one. Though, the so. action surge? Yeah. Let's do a quick round robin on how level eight is starting to look for you all mandy you got action surge what what, what is that okay my understanding of this and, and i'm still a little confused about this but it's i get one extra action on a turn and i can use it once per short rest cool all right let's switch over to sandra sandra you got more spells rather than new spells i got one more fourth level spell and i can finally turn into something that can fly yay Woo! and i just saw a pterodactyl small? So, no, giant eagle is what they say Ooh. they suggest. And I don't know if you guys have seen eagles, but they're big. Is it big enough for one of us to ride the bird? Yes. So the giant Ooh. eagle is the size of a horse. It can take one medium-sized rider easily. Now I want to point out that all of us can fly because Sylpha can cast fly as a fourth level spell. Yep. So all three of us could take flight. We kind of <laughs> don't need Muriel at this point if we don't, like if we're in a pinch. I mean, mm. if you end up in an aerial battle, you probably want to be able to land somewhere safely. Yeah, right. It is a concentration right. spell, so yeah. Uh, yeah, there's that's that. True. That's true. And taking to the air over the thorns would invite a lot of things to come up at us. <laughs> yeah, even if we feather fall into the thorns, that's not a great scenario. And then did you get smarter or wiser? or? Oh, I got wiser. Prettier, wiser. I okay, got wiser. Cool. I did not get prettier. <laughs> prettier. You still right. can't see my face. We still can't see her face. That's fair. That's she's fair. got the mystery charisma going, you know? Mm. Like, you see her eyes, like, you wonder it. what else. That's all she's got. <laughs> <laughs> she does not strike me as particularly charismatic. Julie. So you do get new spells, although you have some time to make choices because you're probably not going to cast any immediately. So what did you do with your attribute boost? Did you get smarter, faster, stronger? 
as you know, I have trouble making decisions. So I waffled quite a bit because I have several attributes that that I could have increased to a 16. But in the end, I settled into the D&D min-maxing and chose intelligence. So Sylpha's intelligence is now 20 and the modifier for it is a plus 5. Nice. And that means that her spells are more effective. So the spell save DC at our current level will be 16. Holy shit. Very nice. And I have about four different skills, I think, that rely on intelligence. And the bonus to that is currently a plus eight. I have a stupid, stupid level of history. (laughs) So morning happens. It's snowing still. At this point, the red splattered snow across the Mentor courtyard has been covered up. It is eerily quiet in the way that a fresh snowfall mutes the world and sparklingly bright with this reflective surface sheening across the whole town. The only thing that is odd is a fair number of people are up early and they are sitting waiting for gossip, it seems, outside the closed gates of the Mentor Manor. Other than that, it is a normal morning. You would expect nobles to start arriving for court in about two hours. I believe the only person with a first thing in the morning appointment is Silpha. So we will start with Silpha. You don't get to sleep in because a servant knocks on your door, Silpha. I think Silpha had planned to rise early and has made preparations for this meeting. So she's dressed modestly, but very nicely as she would for a day in court. She takes you down. You're still in the wing of the house that is dedicated to the actual family. So everything's quite opulent. And she takes you through a series of small doors into a suite, which you imagine is Harriet's room. You can see off to the side, there's a a curtain up, but you imagine that's probably Harriet's bedroom. You walk through her personal study, which is surprisingly plain. There's very little in here. It doesn't look like she actually works out of this space. It's got a lounging couch. And she takes you through a back door out into the snow where servants have cleared this patio space out the back of House Mentor. It's not very big, but there is a small fire going, a tiny table, and Harriet is bundled up in the biggest robe over the top of her day wear. And she comes in and says, you can have the seat closest to the fire if you'd like. Interesting. You find outdoors to be the best accommodation for this? There's nothing like a fresh fallen snow. And also, if you sit for just a moment, I'm sure you'll figure out why this is the best spot. Silpha will sit for a moment and try to perceive? Is that what I'm rolling? No, you don't need to roll perception because it gets quite loud as people start chopping wood rather aggressively, not too far away, and you're, you're pretty sure no one is going to hear what's going on. Ah, excellent. Silpha smiles at that. I am going to roll history to know about Harriet. And that's an appropriate first roll. I only rolled an eight, so 16. 16. I mean, you know more than most people in the kingdom. Harriet was a mean girl, Queen Bee-esque character through childhood, and she really gravitated to gossip. Recently, probably over the last two years, she has sort of weaponized and matured that. So the mean girl seems to have disappeared. You suspect it's still there, Mm. but it's very purposeful now. She has a really strong gossip network, which you now know she actively cultivates as her job, since you learned she would like to be the spy master for the kingdom, or has even declared herself the spy master for the kingdom. And the only other thing you note is that royal protocol protects her reputation really strongly. So she falls back on a set of behaviors that is sort of the perfect princess. Mm. And if you had not been in court in her gossipy phase, you, you would not know. So Silpha will follow court protocol and fall into the personal politicking that she would normally leave up to her mother, but has now realized that this is something she will have to take on. Okay, you can give me an advantaged persuasion role. And the advantage comes from the fact that you are relying on a set protocol that you know. 
Ooh, 16. This conversation immediately takes the established pattern. And you don't know if Harriet is happy about this or not, but you are able to immediately begin pleasantries. Harriet falls immediately into them. And the, the conversation as breakfast is brought out is exactly perfectly what you would expect. And everybody seems to be put at ease by this. You know, I'm very happy that you agreed to have a private discussion with me. There are a couple ideas I didn't feel comfortable voicing in that room, but I think that you are the best audience for my lady. Please feel free to bring any ideas to me you wish at any time. I'm always open to hearing from the uh, the finer echelons of our society. Well, you seem to be the most dissatisfied with doing things in your father's way, or at least that's what you profess. And so I have an idea that I think your father would not be comfortable with, but I would like to leverage as a kind of counter-proposal for your house maintaining its current place. She gives you a pleasant smile, leans in across the table, sliding her breakfast out of the way, and picks up her little cup of tea. I really think you need to reinstate the line of court mages. Traditionally, there was a head mage who would direct others under a team. I think although historically House Miev has performed this role, we can all agree, including Lady Miev, that there are some complications to that scenario. I don't think that is in the cards for Lady Miev, but I could really see the benefits. We have clearly encountered some limitations in the last year around our lack of knowledge regarding mystical elements. Well, if you were to take the lead on appointing a court mage and structuring the access to magic in the kingdom, you could conceivably ensure that mages in the employ of the court follow a set code of conduct, agree to a particular set of ethics. You could even develop the line of mages such that each house has a mage of its own. You could choose to create a line of mages with ties to each house, such that they are similar to the champions. Well, this is an attractive idea. Go ahead and roll me persuasion, and you can have advantage because you have brought up the fact that this is not how her father would do things. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled <laughs> I rolled really terribly, even oh, no. with advantage. Oh, a two no. and a three, so it's an, it's an eight for persuasion. Oh, oh no. It's such a good idea. It's such a good pitch, mm -hmm. too. <laughs> I am not opposed to this idea, but since you're new to your role, I would like a chance to feel out how this fits the new power structure of the kingdom. Mm, I think that's perfectly reasonable. But I want you to know that I, I don't disagree with you. We definitely need some mystical talent in our ranks, which is yet another reason why. I would like to pursue a contract with Leslie. Well, if you will not cede the spymaster position to the person who is most qualified for it, you will indeed need to... <laughs> ...pursue avenues of arcane talent more closely. From an arcane perspective, with all due respect, your security in this place with regard to, well theft and espionage is quite lacking. Man, the claws came out. Uh, yes, they did. <laughs> I'm going to let you choose persuasion or intimidate for this argument around who should be the spy master. Damn, so funny. You don't have disadvantage. I still have advantage? No, you don't have advantage. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not imposing disadvantage. I would normally in the situation, because you're pushing for something directly against her stated interests, but I think your argument is solid, and security is really front and center in her mind. So just a normal persuasion roll. Okay. Oh, I did much better with that. It's a 15 on the dice plus 5, so it's a 20. 20, okay. She leans back and makes a pouty face. So Silpha is going to lean in and put a hand on her arm and say, As I was taught, part of leadership is acknowledging areas in which one has shortcomings, and one overcomes them by recognizing and employing others who are experts. 
making it amenable for people who do possess those talents to work for you rather than against you. And believe you me, I think that if you do not cede the spymaster position to Leslie Evans, regardless of whether you are married or not, she will never work for your interests. I'm beginning to sense that that is true as well, Silpha. And despite the fact that your word choice might not have been the most flattering for me, you have a valid advice and a good quality counsel. Perhaps court mage might be in your future. As for the title of spymaster, I guess letting it go would be a good leadership decision, and it would potentially deliver the Masons to our side immediately. I'm not happy about this, but I can begrudgingly admit that it is a good idea. Similarly, I'm not happy about trying to set up a marriage contract with Leslie, but I've come to the realization that it is also a good idea. Anytime you should want my counsel, it is available to you, Lady Harriet. And then at some point, Silva pulls out a, a little compact with a mirror and a bit of beeswax-based rouge, it looks like, and will be like fixing her lips for the day. Like, applies it and puts that away. And then she says, this was a good conversation. When we meet later today, I suggest that you bring up what we have talked about and cede the spymaster position to Leslie Evans. I'm going to roll a saving throw. It's wisdom, I believe, for suggestion. 16. Otherwise, it's just like Silpha making a statement. She rolls a three. <laughs> Ooh. Go Silpha. You had her mostly convinced, but now it's also her idea. <laughs> Mystically speaking. So this is a guarantee at this juncture. You are pretty sure. Look at that smile. <laughs> Silpha walked away with a similar expression that's... Satisfaction. <laughs> a smile of contentment and satisfaction. And that is the end of our show. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review. What will Sable do with this new information? Will Leslie get hitched to her arch-nemesis to achieve her life goals? Will politics as we know it get rewritten? Find out next time on Curates and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. and dragons and dinosaurs yep d and d d and d and d and d sable is like man we just fought a t-rex you just don't impress me anymore mentor yeah i yep. don't give a shit <laughs> and we did it with magic <laughs> also part of this is your fault yeah it totally is yep he needs to wake the fuck up mm-hmm